What's going on, guys? You're back with another edition of Talk Yo Talk. You with Justin Henry, Marcus Graves, and today we got Ryan Hammer, NBA expert on. You've seen him on TikTok talking NBA draft. G League, Ryan, what's good, my man? What's up, boys? I appreciate y'all for having me on. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Nothing but love, man. And uh, man, the draft kind of just came and went. I thought there was going to be a whole lot of like stuff that happened during yeah. the draft, man. But uh, we'll get into the draft, talk a little bit maybe about some Kyrie stuff that's going on, some of the new media, old media stuff. But Marcus, man, we talked about it. You, Where you at right now? You in another? It's, man, you always in a new city, bro. <laughs> <laughs> man, no, I'm still Milwaukee, man. Still Milwaukee. So Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a crazy, crazy draft. I know, I know my uh, my bold prediction last week is crazy that he's a, he's a buck now. Marjan yeah. Bochamp. Um, you know, I said I thought he was one of my favorite players in the draft, and crazy man, crazy story that he has, and now he's you know now he's a Milwaukee Buck, and see what he can do for the you know winning team. We need like the video editing team that can rewind that clip in the middle of the segment and be like, yeah. Marjan Bocamp, my favorite player, <laughs> yeah. Ryan, man. Ryan, uh, talk to us a little bit, man. I, Marcus was talking about him last week. Obviously, the teammates now. What's your thoughts on Marjan Bocamp and a little bit of his backstory? I, I know you you had a little piece on that too. Yeah, it, it, dude, his story is so humbling. It's awesome. Like, he went through the wildest of living conditions in his life, homelessness and stuff like that. And even through, like, getting ready for the NBA draft after high school, he, like, that got shut down because of COVID. So he had to go to JUCO after that. He battled depression and all that stuff. Like, it's super humbling. And, like, it's great to see a guy like that that's so – that has a great attitude and mindset about things. Go to a team especially. Not only become a first-round pick and make it to the league, but go to a team where, like, winning is everything. And he is going to flourish there, man. Like – on the, on the court, he, he fits so well, like his length and athleticism. He's great. Um, and he's so easy to root for. So it's awesome to see him go there. And I think his dad even said, like, I hope you fall to 24 tonight. I hope, hope you fall to the Bucks tonight. So he, he said something like that. Yeah. Yeah, bold prediction, man. What do you, what do you like about his game? Obviously, you said he's, he's got the length and he's going to be a good fit with the Bucks, man. And obviously, Mark is probably going to be playing with him in summer league. So let's get the, let's get the analysis beforehand, yeah. man. Give him some inside intel. Yeah, you know, he does a little bit of everything. Um, you go back to like his Juco tape in high school, and he was a really good shooter also. That was the only concern of mine in the G League this year. Um, but he really is like a versatile, high-impact wing. He's like 6'7 with a 7-foot wingspan. He can move really well, good off-ball cutter and stuff like that. And defensively, he's going to be able to guard maybe one through four, even five at his peak in his career and stuff like that. So I can imagine he's very, very easy to play with and very you're happy he's on your team, not against them, so. Facts, man. Well, was he who was your favorite player? Like, obviously, we talked a little bit last week. I was like, man, Chet. And then when he threw out Boat Camp, I was like, I don't even know who that is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he obviously Marcus played against. But who was your favorite player like coming into the draft? Like your favorite sleeper candidate? There, there's a lot of guys. I feel like doing going through like the scouting process, like I like every I swear I like everybody, every single person down the list, <laughs> one through a hundred and whatever. Like, I'm like, damn, you know, I like this guy. Uh Jeremy Soham was one of my dogs, like in the lottery. He ended up yeah. going nine, like another guy that just like breathes winning, breathes it. And he's from, he went through Germany, Poland, England, Indiana in high school. Uh, and he obviously had a really good winning mindset at Baylor too. Um, Christian Brown at Kansas had this very, very similar style. Like you can see the type of guys I like. I just like a lot of dogs and they just do yeah. a little bit of everything um, because those guys are the guys you need on your team to win. So, Yeah, no, Christian, I think Christian Brown is going to be a, you know, great NBA player. I think he's got, you know, great size. He's a great shooter. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Sohan, man, I think 
the first the first thing to be successful in the league means you gotta play hard. I feel like a lot of guys, yeah. you know, are are like, you know, this day and age are you know, cool guys. Um, and you know, guys like Bochamp and Shohan, you know, those guys, you know, that they got to the league based off their motor to start. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's going to be key for them, you know, going uh, into the rookie years. Yeah, some straight up dogs in the draft, man. Where was there anybody that was like, "Oh, this is like the perfect fit"? When you were watching the draft, you're like, "Oh man, this was a match made in heaven, team player, like shining star." This was the moment you were like, "This is the pick." There were a couple. There were a couple guys. Sohan at nine of the Spurs. It was great. Like the Spurs, literally, like they are one of the most winningest franchises you can find, and like that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Marjan was similar that way. Uh, and then honestly, a lot of the guys in the lottery, like I love, love the fits. Mark Williams and, and the Hornets, like I'm not the Mark Williams, biggest Mark Williams supporter in the world. I'm not, he's not my favorite player. Um, but like that was it, that made so much sense. It was never not going to be that way. And even like the Dern and Detroit thing where it ended up, um, I like that one too. And also Bryce McGowan's, he went 40, I think, out to Charlotte. But I see a lot of like Jordan Poole in him going forward in, in a few mm, years, but yeah. he's gonna, it's gonna take some time to get there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting, man. And you know, I think one of the things I maybe everybody didn't expect. We were talking about this off camera, but the whole one through three thing, man. Paolo going number one when the whole time it didn't look like, man. Talk, what was what was going on that day, Marcus? I know we were talking about it off camera, but like, what was your thoughts on that whole like draft day position switching and everything that was going on? Jabari Smith, I thought for sure that was number one. I uh, like. The Magic got us. They got our ass. Like they got everybody. They got every mock expert. Yeah. They got every single person. Yeah. They got they even got Woj. Like if you get Woj, well done. Um, someone brought up to me earlier today. They did the same thing with Franz Wagner last year. He was not on their radar. There was no publicity about that. No one thought he was going to go that high. I think it was like pick seven. He went to the Magic and they ended up taking him. People were like, "Whoa!" Like it's not what we expected. They never said anything about him at all. Uh, it was definitely a big switch up. It makes sense. Like any of those three guys go number one. I think it makes sense, but. I think they planned that all along. There's no way that a month and a half of having the first pick, they switch yeah. up in the last couple hours. Yeah. There's no chance. No, I think I think uh, I, mean, I think Ben Carroll in my eyes is always the number one guy. Um, just you know, just seeing him at Duke and um, you know, like I think a lot of people are basing uh, Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren off more potential. I feel like Von Carroll is the most ready now guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, Ryan, I wanted to get your would you do you think the Thunder had some thoughts at number two after you know the shakeups? Do you think they always thought Chet was the guy? No, I, I do think Chet was their guy, no matter what. I think if they were at one, they would have taken Chet. Like he just fits their like long term patient yeah. rebuild. I know that for a fact <laughs> that he withheld his medical reports to Orlando to make sure that he fell to two because he wanted to be an OKC. Also, like crappy stuff like that happens a lot behind yeah. the scenes. Um, but that was always going to happen, I think. Um, but they were wild, the Thunder. They were they were real active. So yeah, man, the Thunder yeah. they got 127 picks in the next yeah. three years. <laughs> That'll be on that long term yeah. thing, man. Well, right? How'd you even get into like? Because this is a you know a very tight niche. Like knowing all the prospects, <laughs> knowing the draft, knowing just kind of the not necessarily just like the star players in the league. Right. But knowing their development, man, how did you even get into like the NBA draft, college, and just that type of content? Uh, I think when I was probably like, how old was I at that? Like 2007, I was probably like eight or nine years old um, or, or 10 years old. And that's bad math on my part. Holy <laughs> um, I was like 10 years old and like Jimmer and Steph Curry were playing in college. So like that's, I was like, man, this is, this is my sport. This is my life right here. Uh, and then through the years, like high school, I started to care more about the sport and stuff like that. And then in college, 
started to like care more about their process of the NBA. And I almost was like fascinated by it uh, because like, I thought it was really cool. I wanted to be like an agent at one point be, to go through that process with those guys. I think it's really, it's really inspiring to see like from start to finish, not just the glorified stuff that everybody thinks it is. Uh, but, and then from there, like, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be watching, I'm going to be studying, like I might as well start putting stuff out about it. So I think a couple of years ago, started making some big boards, mock drafts, whatever. And then it's come to probably an unhealthy habit now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Man, you said unhealthy having it. You know, it's and it's a lot of hours of watching film and stuff, man. I seen your, you know, your analysis is good, man. It's like you, you know, there's a lot of people that have lazy takes or don't understand the game. It seems like you have a pretty good idea of these guys' talents and where they fit and tendencies and stuff, man. And so for me, that's pretty exciting because it's not just like you stop at college. You're watching yeah. G League guys. You're watching, you know, guys that come in and off the rosters, man. That's that takes a high level of dedication and analysis too, where a lot of people, like I said, just kind of get lazy with it. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I never like, I don't want to, I never want to talk on stuff that I don't know exactly what I'm talking what, what that topic is and everything and every little detail, because then I'm not going to be able to like contribute to the conversation well enough. Um, so I just like to hold myself to higher, high enough standards where I can be happy. So. Man, you throwing yeah. shots at me or what, bro? No, no, I ain't saying shit. <laughs> <I ain't saying. laughs> No, it's, and uh, like we talked about, because summer league's coming up too. Marcus obviously yeah. in Milwaukee gonna be playing summer league, man. Um, is there anybody you got your eye on that you're like you think can make a name for themselves in summer league outside of one MG? You know, of course. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I was about to say I was like I'll, I'll see I'm gonna be there, so I'm like I'll catch okay. up with you, and it's definitely gonna yeah. be Marcus. Um, I yeah, I definitely link up, but they, I think there's a lot of guys like a lot of the undrafted guys like are playing for careers not careers but like they're playing for their job their job is on the line like i think that's majority of the guys that are going to be there especially the young rookies like colin gillespie who nova kid like y'all know him uh he signed with the nuggets undrafted after the draft and he's a guy who like if you told me he's going to be on their first team roster on day one of the season i'm like that makes sense experience high iq like he offers good good rotational depth and stuff like that um other guys like jacob gilliard who i love actually out of richmond He's like a five nine guard. He led the nation in steals in college basketball. Like he is wildly unique and interesting. And like I think he'll have a majority of his career in the G League, but I think he'll be a really successful one at that too. So, yeah. No, I think uh, you know for me, I think just looking at you know second round guys and you know undrafted guys. I think I think one of my favorite prospects is Jaden Hardy. I think he, mm-hmm. he kind of got some hit because he had a he had maybe a tough year shooting in the G League. Kind of because you know before the season he was top five. Oh, yeah. top five guy. Yeah. And it's interesting to see him slide that far. And I think it's, you know, due to his, you know, his bad is not, I wouldn't say bad, his inefficient shooting, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the G League. And that might have scared some teams. But I think, you know, Dallas is a great team for him just because he doesn't have to do too much in his first year, in his first couple of years. Um, he just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, fit, fit in that role and just, you know, find his spot in the NBA. His whole thing, like, him and Shaden Sharp is so fascinating to me because they were the same thing. One played, one didn't, and then the one that played and the one that didn't play went up. Like that's almost Super unfair weird. to me. And like crazy. if Shaden would have had those numbers, he would be like he'd be the same, or he would have came back to school. Like that's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's crazy. You got a comment coming in. One of them, uh, Bruce Morrow, he said, "We know for a fact that Chet and Zion don't have the same <laughs> diet." <laughs> Talking a little mess, but that is one thing people are concerned about with Chet is his size and frame. Uh, and I really like Chet, but like, do you think that there's an advantage to playing to the guys that were playing in the in the on the Ignite team that got to play against you know 
bigger competition, older competition. Do you think that the G League guys, the ones that went to the Ignite team, are better off or they go the path to Chet and maybe take a few years to develop? It definitely depends on the player. Like everyone's path is going to be different. And I like can respect anybody's decision and I don't know more than they know. But like looking from the outside as a, being generalistic about it, I love the G League Ignite route for the younger guys, especially. And like guys like Marjon who kind of have like alternate routes. That's kind of a one of one of one thing. Um, but when you look at Hardy, like look at Jalen Green last year too, where it him being in the G League playing at NBA level competition, it gave him the confidence when he got in the league. So he was taking 20 shots a night and it looked bad at the beginning of the season, but then he was putting up 40 point games at the end of the year. Yeah. And you're like, okay, you know what? We just need to give him some time. And I think Hardy could be the same way, maybe to a lesser level at first. Um, but guys like Dyson Daniels too, who play with such physicality, like that's a really important part of his game to be able to play against NBA level athletes to really, really be ready to do that full time. Yeah. And I think, I think especially uh, NBA in the college game is so different. Like, I think learning the nuances of the NBA game, learning the spacing, you know, the terminology of the NBA game is, is a big key because you see Ignite, like when you watch Ignite at the beginning of the year, they usually struggle because, you know, they're just – they're young. They don't know the terminology. They don't know the spacing, the speed of the game. So guys that come from that, you know, that Ignite route have almost a head start on the guys who come straight from college. So, yeah. I thought, uh, you know, when undrafted, Michael Foster, I was surprised he didn't land yeah. on a team. Do you guys think that he was going to land on a team? Because I for sure thought he was going to get drafted. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I liked what I saw. From, I thought he was definitely be a second rounder. And from what I heard from, like, front office people and around the league, even, like, analysts and just people on social media, that he was pretty highly regarded. Um, but he kind of flew under the radar. And, like, we saw stuff like that with, la with last year's guys like Dacia Nix and stuff yeah. like that where these guys, like, if you're not the top tier of G League Ignite, you really get pushed to the side. Fanbo Zhang, who signed with the Pacers undrafted too, like it's a there's a huge disparity gap. Hardy's kind of the one like that fell in the middle, but he definitely is that higher end guy. Um, but it's really interesting to know to see like such a big gap, and these guys could turn out being to be like big steals. But I thought Foster was definitely gonna get drafted. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy to me. I I thought that the for sure he would go, but. It's it's weird because you think those guys are regretting. Obviously, it comes with a check, but are you think those guys are regretting like not going the other way, like not going the college path because it probably altered a lot of those guys' draft positions. Like they may have gone a little bit earlier if they played against competition their own age. Yeah, I feel like college is tough. I see Marcus like you're like thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> college is tough because there's so many schools and so many teams. Like it, it's crazy. There's so there's so much talent that deserves to be recognized to be in the draft and to be like a draft eligible process and stuff like that. And no, not enough, get their chances. Like I've been pushing for a third round in the draft for so long. Like I know that sounds crazy, but there really is so much talent in college. So it's really hard. You really got to stand out or be at like a top, top tier program, which to get burned at those schools is tough. So. Yeah, I think it's, it's tough. It's tough to say because it's like, like I was mentioning earlier, the college game is so different. And I think that some guys, like you see, you see some guys in college that average, six to ten points a game and they're regarded as these high th three and d wing players that are you know first round picks mm -hmm. um because the game is so different they can use their athleticism more they can get to the rim they can play in space um so i think it's tough to say i, I think a guy maybe like michael foster not that he made the wrong decision because obviously every, everybody's decision is their own decision um but you know i think he's a bigger guy so maybe college could have played in his favor due to his physical his physical nature. Um, but like but no, like Ryan mentioned, I think he's still gonna be a great NBA player. I think he's mm -hmm. gonna be somebody who's under the radar 
Um, and, you know, somebody who's just going to, you know, surprise a lot of people this year. Yeah, I can see that happening, man. The thing I respect about both of you guys, man, not, I tend to go the opposite sometimes is you guys take, you know, you have the, the stance of like, hey, everybody has their own path, right? Like, I think that's the cool thing about when when we can talk in this new era of kind of like podcasting is like you get more rationale type of, you know, analysis on things. And it seems like right now it's causing a lot of stir in the NBA, too. Like when we're looking at Draymond going at Skip Bayless and Kendrick Perkins of all people. It's like, yeah. I don't know what's going on with this space, man, this old media versus new media thing. What do you guys think about that? I just yeah. like. Go ahead, Ron. 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 Yeah. No, you're good. Uh, no, I was just I, I think it, I think it's crazy, man. I think it's, it's always, even like when you talk basketball, there's always just the old old head old head beef versus the new players. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's just in general, that's just how it is. Um, I think Draymond and Kendrick have had something going on for you know even you know back when Kendrick ended his career with the Cavs. Um, but it's I think it's crazy, man. I think you know one of my favorite new media guys is JJ Redick and. Yeah. When you when you see him go on shows like first take and you know he has his own um, old is it it's old man the three right yeah old man old three man three yeah so his his podcasts are very like very uh, intellectual like he has great great takes and he has like you know like great like uh, information to back it up um, and then you see some guys like Skip Bayless who just throw out just random stuff and just hope hope it catches <laughs> you know what I mean I think that's the difference now between the new media and the old media yeah it always. And like, I, I don't know. I've never been a player, like, obviously in, in basketball, at least to any kind of high caliber at all. And I, there's such a lack of respect in, in such a big gap where I don't want it to be. Like, I want to try to bridge that gap. Or like, that's, I think that's what JJ does really well, but he's an ex player. So, like, that comes naturally. Yeah. Skip Bayless yeah. is like, like Marcus said, like, he just throws out God knows what. And, that, <laughs> and like, it, it gives a bad taste to people. I know he does his job and I understand why Skip Bayless is famous and why he is who he is. But, like, it's very, very frustrating as someone who wants to be in the media and stuff like that. He just like seeing him be like super disrespectful to people. Uh, and I actually think Draymond is a really, really great mind. And in the next like 10 to 20 years, he'll be a top media basketball media personality. Like he understands the culture of it off the court, on the court so well. And I really respect that. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to me because there comes for me, it's tough because I see Draymond side of it and the passion behind it. And a lot of the players who are frustrated with the media and the takes, mm -hmm. especially when you do things like say somebody's name wrong, Westbrook, like I think that's super disrespectful. But then there's also a time where I, I respect the fact that they did go through journalism, that they do have years of experience. They know how to engage and, and build a following and kind of create different narratives and push buttons in interviews and get players to come on to defend their takes. Like, I see both sides of it. So for me, as somebody who isn't a player, there's only a certain amount of players who ever played in the NBA. I do kind of respect the fact that they know what they're doing in their craft and that the players now are kind of doing the same thing, right? The, the media criticizes and critiques the players. I feel like the players are now coming on and doing the same thing and critiquing the media. So to me, it's kind of an interesting parallel where I feel like there's a little bit of both sides that are – are kind of being extreme. Like I love watching Draymond, but I, there's times where I used to watch Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless go at it too. So I could see both sides of it and understand both professions. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think it's it's crazy because I feel like it's all just everything is just opinionated. When you see when you talk about new media, but then you see 
you see Pat Bev come on first take. He had his little, you know, his little week where he was going just crazy pace and <laughs> saying, you know, his his defensive percentages yeah. and this and that. So pretty much when yep. you're being guarded by Pat Bev, you're being guarded by Giannis. Like, I, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, mean, I think it's just everybody just has their own opinion. And I think some people, uh, like you mentioned, like Draymond and Kendrick sometimes maybe take it a little too far. Uh, Skip Bayless again. Um, but it – I, I mean, I like I like the dynamic. I like the dynamic that's going on. I like how players are kind of barking back at media, like you said. It's entertainment, right? Like yeah, it's entertainment at the end of the day. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and Draymond's trying to get views for his podcast, so he goes at those guys. Those guys are trying to get views for their show, so they go at those guys. It's, to me, it's interesting. We can't always have like storylines going on, like KD or Kyrie wants to sign a mid-level exception with the Lakers. We can't always have <laughs> those storylines. Y'all yeah. been following what's going on in free agency and Kyrie <laughs> and stuff? Ryan, what's your take on it right now? I uh, I have no – like, the Kyrie stuff is so weird. Like, the social media definitely blew it out of proportion. Someone heard one in- inkling of, like, a possibility he might go or, like, a conversation he had with LeBron probably, and then they just completely blew it out of proportion. But um, at the end of the day, obviously, just like, just like always, nothing's happening. Nothing exciting is going to happen, so <laughs> – I, Ryan, I don't know, man. I think, Ooh. I think there's, I don't think it's over. I don't think it's over. I with Kyrie? Smoke, so, there's fire. Yeah, I don't think it's over with Kyrie. I think even though he opted in, it, it almost makes it easier for Brooklyn to trade him now. It's true. Why you didn't get something back for him? Because at first, when he was, when he was not opting in, he was trying to sign and trade, or what they said mm-hmm. was a sign and trade. So pretty much Kyrie would have to agree to whatever team they were trying to trade him to. Mm-hmm. So now he's opted in. Now Brooklyn has the – pretty much Brooklyn has the freedom to do whatever they want with him. They can keep him. They can trade him to whoever they want. Say, you know, 20 games of the season, you know, things are kind of like how they were last year. I see Brooklyn – I see Brooklyn offloading them. And, uh, you know, then they lose KD their... also if they do that. Yeah. I mean, it depends who you bring back, though. depends who you bring back. I think, I think I think Ben Simmons is going to be better this year. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you get Joe Harris back. Um, you get some better role players. Um, they don't have that three guard lineup of Pat, Patty Mills, Drogic, and Kyrie. Uh, you know, they get some better players around KD, and I think I think they got a good team, man. So we'll see what happens, though. Yeah, they might have to do something drastic because uh, I don't know, man. If, if Kyrie's gone, did you see some of the packages for KD that they were throwing out there? Some of those Suns packages to me, yeah. it doesn't seem like enough. Peyton, Michael Bridges, and uh, I forgot who the third player was, uh, Cam Johnson, and some picks for KD. To me, I'm not – if I'm the Nets, I'm not doing that deal, man. Like, what do you think – what do you think it would take? Like, KD? To get KD, what would you – what do you think it would take? Who are you giving up to – first of all, oh, what players good. are you giving up to get KD? <laughs> I, I literally tweeted out a list of players I wouldn't give up for KD. and then Who was on he, it? It goes through, like, the Giannis, Luka, Jokic, Embiid, et cetera, et cetera. It gets into Ja, Trey – um there's a few guys like that i like and then i went to booker and donovan and then i rethought it and then i was like you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stick on it because like 33 i'd rather have booker or donovan for the next 10 years than kd for two no so way that's literally no. what i that's where i'm that's where my mind went i was like you know what if i'm a fr- well the jazz are in a different situation if, it, yeah. if donovan's gonna go the jazz are the jazz the Suns, right. like are you gonna you're gonna give a booker the rest of your future to pair chris paul with kd like I don't know. I don't know if it pushes the needle enough at that point. If, and they're going to give up Mikal and everybody. Like I don't know if it would. If it would do the same. Like I legitimately would would stay with 
the what did I say, ten years, like maybe a couple of them are like yeah. eight or nine, but I would I would stay with them. You're taking yeah. youth over the two years KD has to get you a championship. Yeah. Oh, Cade was on there too. I was the other guy. I could have. I would. No chance. I would trade Cade for any anything right now. Gone. Get him out of here. He gone. No, that's, a future, that's a future MVP right there, and he's like 19 yeah. or 20. I don't. Yeah, I don't think KD wins by himself in Detroit either. So that's, well, that's, a, good, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> not that it would. Not that it would ever happen anyway. Yeah. But like, what what would it take if Kyrie left? Say Kyrie left and KD was like, "Get me out. I want out now." And say the Blazers were a team that people brought up to pair with them. It's not going to happen, but they like they would have to throw in like Sharp, Anthony Simons, I don't know, Grant or or Nurkic or someone, and then like three picks or something like that. It's a star, it's two future yeah. young potential stars. One's probably more potential than the other, and then a ton of picks just to to get it done. That's heavy. Yeah, that's, that's, heavy, that's yeah. heavy, man. But I'd love to see it. that would have been to be honest when they were throwing they were throwing teams out there. That was one that really excited me. And obviously Dame was was sharing in his <laughs> stories about it. I thought that a KD and Dame pairing would be dangerous, more dangerous than Westbrook, more dangerous than Kyrie in my opinion. Kind of almost on the level of, of that Steph and and KD type of dynamic. I don't know if they have enough supporting pieces because that West mm-hmm. is tough. But to me, that pairing would have been crazy. But would they be better than the Nets? Like, would they be better than K- than Harden, KD, and Kyrie? Probably not. Currently, or not right now. But I think, obviously, if you get Kevin Durant, you have more pieces around that team. But no, not currently standing right now. Right. I don't think so. There you go. I can see. I see Mello, old ass Mello, getting another stint in yeah. Portland. Like, uh, they would just be a, a combination of all the old guys going there instead. Yeah. It's gonna be. No. It's gonna be a crazy free agency, man. And uh, I think like. I think there's a lot more to be done. You see a lot of trade rumors going on. Uh, Ryan, man, I'm curious. To, I'm curious to hear what's your what's your bold prediction the rest of the NBA offseason? Um, bold prediction. Everything everything on my mind right now is Dejounte Murray. Dejounte, Dejounte, Dejounte. Yeah. Um, I'm like, please come. To, yeah. Please come, Hawks. Please. <laughs> um, I think my boldest prediction is probably that DeAndre Ayton ends up in San Antonio. That's what I like. Ooh, wow. Because like the Pistons or are out DeJounte of the race now. Or no. Um, no. So I okay. that's disregarding DeJounte. I hope he ha- okay, he ends okay. in the ATL. I actually think he might st- he, he might end up staying. Like yeah. if they get into free agency and they realize that they say Aiden is in play, which I do think he is. They have a lot of space. He is young. He's borderline all-star. He will be an all-star at some point. They can they that's a guy that can go for Yaka Pertl is on his last year of his deal. They didn't draft the center with any of their three picks when they could have taken Duran. So I think that they're gonna make a play for him. If they do a sign and trade with like Pirtle and a, and a couple of picks, because he won't be worth much if he's going to leave the Suns, then they get Aiden and then they keep Dejounte and then Kelvin Johnson. Like that's a good and Devin Vassell. Like that's a good young core with their new draft yeah. picks that I think could be like yeah. a dark horse playoff team and be decent for years to come. Yeah, I agree, man. I think speaking just speaking of Dejounte, man, I think if somehow the Hawks can get Dejounte Murray without giving up John Collins, Bruh. that will be a dangerous team. It, Trey's already heard it. to the Eastern Conference one time. I know, yeah. And that's going to be a dangerous team, man. I'm, I'll, it'll be interesting to see. They, like, th- my, my problem about John Collins, I love John Collins. I'm a Hawks fan. Like, he's he's awesome. He's underappreciated because he was underused because of Trey's yeah. heavy load. That relationship is tarnished. Like, there's no way he he says, like, I'm coming back to, to Atlanta. Like, how in the world is he going to be happy there after what they did to him? in his reputation trying to trade him so publicly about it. Like they went about it so awfully and 
it pisses me off because now they have they're gonna end up taking like scraps for him, like a decent player and like a pick or two. And I'm like, great. That's your guys' fault. Like you screwed it up and you're way too open <laughs> yeah. about it. But that team would be crazy. If they traded like Gallinari, Jalen Johnson, and like three first rounders, it would be like Trey, DeJounte, Capella, Collins, Herder, Bogey. Like that is a team right there. DeAndre Hunter, you know, I love yeah, yeah. Dude, the Hawks are stacked, but I feel like they're always in motion. Like there's always something going on with them. And I feel like this free agency, like there's an, something's going to happen. Capella, yeah. uh, John Collins, like it feels like this, there's still going to be a shakeup, even though the team is pretty stacked. I mean, one thing I was surprised about is that the Kings and John Collins did not find a way to be matched together when they were talking about that number four pick. How did that not happen? I thought for sure. I thought for sure. Hey, we're in. I'm in Sacramento, so I thought for sure mm. that number four pick was gone, and I thought for sure John Collins would be on the Sacramento Kings. They like they want. They said they were open to trading four for a vet. Collins is literally the perfect player to do it. Like. Barnes and four for Collins 16, like a second or something like some or a future second and something like that. And they the whole time the Kings were never going to include four for a package for Collins. Like, who did they think that they were going to get then? I'm so like, I was so confused. Like, who do y'all think you're getting? Damn. Yeah, I, I think I think if the if the Hawks pick was maybe a little bit higher, hmm. I think it would I think it would have got done. I think like 16, Lata, yeah. yeah, I think if it was like eight, nine, ten, maybe, uh, you know, like maybe even into like the 11 to 12. Um, but I think they just, I think that they love Keegan Murray too much. And, you know, that was even another surprise pick for me. That was like, <laughs> how did they botch that? Like they had, yeah. I, I thought for sure for, even if you just trade down one pick, two picks, like Keegan Murray there instead of Jay Knight, like draft, I mean, trade him. Like that to me was one of the most mind boggling things of the draft. I saw yeah, no, a no, trade. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're good. I was gonna say no disrespect to Keegan Murray. I think he's gonna be a good NBA player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think he, I think he's like I think he's one of the most NBA ready players right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think Jaden Ivey, man, is gonna be this crazy. I think he's gonna he has so much potential, man. So so much higher of a ceiling in my eyes. Um, I think that if you if you knew you were gonna draft Keegan Murray, why not move back to like you said, why not move back to five or six and get another piece or something like that. There was a trade on the table I heard that was – I don't know the exact specifics, but it was centered around six and Chris Duarte. I love Chris Duarte. Six and Duarte to move up to four, which would have been perfect if they got Duarte and Keegan. I think it's yeah. great for their yeah. win-now agenda, which, like, that's not a problem with the pick. Is that, like, Keegan's awesome. I think he's going to be really good. He's going to be, like, a great second or third option, averaging, like, 15, 18 in his career, peak of his career probably. But you're sacrificing long-term potential – for better fit to win now when you're not a playoff level team like that is irresponsible yeah. just just be it's yeah. only because they feel rushed and they need to make the playoffs is what they think but like that's no like you're doing it wrong you've been trying to do that for years it's not working like stop the city yeah. i think city. i think the kings man i think another thing is like they have to build through trades and i mm-hmm. think because like people look at the kings organization and they i don't think you can sign a big name free agent into to Sacramento. And I think, you know, you get pieces through trades and through the draft. I think that's how you can build more, you know, excitement around your team. And I think that's how they can boost that win-now mode, you know, uh, and accelerate that. I don't got to be PC. They got to use this leverage. I remember the Zach Levine deal. They got to use this leverage. People don't oh, want to go man. to SAC, man. And yeah. It's just the culture. When you don't have a winning culture, and then I think the, in the whole Jaden Ivey thing, having the same agent as Tyrese Halliburton and the way they did him, man, to mm. me, it just this says a lot about an organization who hasn't made the playoffs in a long time. So 
man, the Kings, I don't even like talking about the Sacramento Kings, man. I live out here. So, man, anything else, guys? Anything on G League free agency? Anything else you want to cover before we get off? Nah, man, I'm good. Uh, yeah, straight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My name is Ryan. We appreciate you coming on, man. You got uh, like like Justin said, man, great insight and uh, you know a lot of great knowledge about the game. And uh, yeah, we definitely appreciate you coming on. Got to have you on again sometime. And uh, yeah. I appreciate y'all, obviously for sure. And for sure, I'm always open to it. I'm, I'm gonna catch y'all. I'm gonna catch you at the at summer league markets. I'll yeah, hit you up absolutely. after. Um, my first time out in summer league, so I'm excited to try to. Is it in Vegas again this year? Yeah, yeah, it's in Vegas, Vegas man. Oh, it's like 130 shit. degrees out there. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk your talk. Let the people know where can they find you. Where's the best place to connect with you, Ryan? Of course. Uh, Twitter is RyanHammer09. And then everywhere else, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, RyanHammer9. I got jokes on Twitter. A guy who hasn't tweeted in 10 years has my, has my handle. That's okay. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> uh, All good. But, yeah. All good, man. Well, appreciate you coming on, man. That does it for Talk Your Talk. We're going to be back next week with another episode. See y'all later. Yes, sir.